You know, on Facebook, I don't know if you're on Facebook, I don't know that everybody is, but they have uh, this feature called Memories where it, it pulls up uh, posts from a year ago or five years ago or whatever. And I, I think I'm going to try to see if I can disable that because it keeps pulling up my New Year's resolutions. And it's a reminder that I didn't, I didn't make it and I didn't, I didn't keep them. This, uh, this is the time of year when we think about resolutions, isn't it? And we think about change, and, and I think that's a very good thing. It's a very good thing to think about. In fact, it's something really we ought to be thinking about, about all the time, is about change. I saw some several uh, posts over the weekend where people were reflecting on the last year or reflecting on the last decade and thinking about uh, what they wanted to do going into this next year. And, and I think that's, that's just incredibly uh, healthy for us to do. So I thought today as we start the new year and people are thinking about change and some people are thinking about New Year's resolutions and kind of reflecting on a, on a new year, uh, it might be helpful to look at somebody in Scripture that went through tremendous change. In, in Scripture, there's different words that we use to talk about change. One is repentance. That's what repentance means. It means change. Repentance is a very graphic representation of change. It, it literally means to do a U-turn. When you hear that word repentance, that's what it means. It means to do a U-turn. And that U-turn is in your, in your lifestyle. And then we often talk about uh, conversion. And when you and I think about conversion, we usually think about it in terms of religion. Somebody converts to Christianity it's conversion, but, but that's change, isn't it? It's change. And so today we're looking at the story of a lady whose name was Lydia. She was a person who heard a message and believed it and responded to it. And as a result, she went through a tremendous change in her life. As we think about who she was before Christ, who she was with Christ, and who she was after Christ, I hope that it'll help us all as we kind of reflect on what kind of change do we really need to make? There's a lot of good resolutions you could have that, that, that would be wise. Uh, I, I know I definitely, I need to eat a little better. I'm probably not going to, but I know that I need to. I really do. Most of us could probably handle our money a little better. Uh, some of you are exceptional at it, but, but most of us, we, we're a little wasteful here and there. A lot of us could control our tongue a little better. Uh, some of you are, are really good at, at, at keeping in what you're thinking, and some of us are not so good. There's, there's a lot of little things that we could do that, that really would make an improvement in our life. But in terms of importance, they, they all really pale in comparison to us being transformed into the image of Christ. And that's really what Christianity is. It, it's about us being transformed into a different person a, a person that's not not just a little better version of ourselves we're not talking about being a, a, a little wealthier or a little thinner or having a, a little bit better blood work when we go to the doctor that, that those things are good but we're talking about becoming somebody who thinks and acts and talks like our Savior, Jesus. This is the essence of the Christian faith, is to be transformed into a new person that is like him. 
So Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 11, I want to ask you to join me in standing as we read this together. It's the story of Paul's missionary work and the impact that it had on this one lady named Lydia. In verse 11 it says, So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate to the riverside where we, were suppo where, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and we spoke to the woman who had came there. The one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Let's pray together. Father, like Paul, may we be faithful to tell the story of Jesus. And Lord, like Lydia, may we hear it and respond in faith. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the Bible tells us the stories about a lot of different people. I, I don't even know how many actual names are recorded in the Bible. And even beyond those that are named, there are many people who are identified but, but not even named. Have you ever just, just pondered for a moment about how many people are listed and named and included in Scripture and their stories? And so we ask ourselves, why would God, in, in inspired Scripture, why would God take so much space to tell us about people? some of whom were very ordinary people. And I think Hebrews tells us the answer there when it says that these were given for our example. So we ask the question, what does is, what is our life in 2022 have to do with a lady from Thyatira in the first century? Well, we look at the change that took place in her life. And we look at how she pursued God. And it leads us to reflect on how our story is different. Or perhaps how our story should be different than what it is. And so the Bible tells us about this, this person called Lydia. And so the first thing I want you to kind of think about was her life before Christ. Now, I understand before Paul came and preached... She didn't know Christ, probably never heard the name Jesus, but yet Paul came and preached. So the Bible tells us about her in verse 14 that, that she, she believed in God. She was a worshiper. It says, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods. And here's what it says, who was a worshiper of God. She was a worshiper of God. Uh, Lydia is what uh, professors at the seminary would call 
a seeker. She's someone who's not yet fully discovered the truth, but she's seeking the truth. That's why she had gathered there to, to hear on that day and to, to worship. All over the world, people are gathered, worshiping. But like Jesus told the woman at the well, uh, not everybody knows who they're worshiping or what it is that they should believe. And so Lydia is, is a person who's gathered to worship. She believes that there's a God. When we think about America today, we are, we are less religious than at any time in the history of our nation. Now, that's not my opinion. That's based on uh, scientific polling. If you look at the Gallup organization and, and other research institutes like that, you'll see that all recent polls and all research indicates that we are less religious than we've ever been in the history of our nation. Many people today not only are not engaged or involved in a church, they don't even identify themselves as part of a church or as part of a religion. But when we think about the state of our country, we're still, we're not a country of atheists. People have spiritual beliefs. And if you ask them, uh, they'll, they'll begin to talk about and, and reveal their beliefs. Now, sometimes they're really weird beliefs. And I say really weird beliefs because they're not even a part of any kind of organized religion. They're just something that they made up or something they pieced together through this TV show and that TV show or this conversation and that conversation. And so people are kind of uh, making a, oftentimes a hodgepodge of, of what they believe from all these different sources. But, but they're not atheists, not by and large. The number of people in America today that are atheists are very, very small percentage. So if you think about this, and Lydia being a worshiper, it's important to understand that you can, you can believe in God without having a saving relationship with Jesus. You can believe that God exists. You, you, can, be, you can be praying to God. Uh, you can believe uh, all kinds of things about God, uh, like many people do. You can believe that, that God's in the trees and he's just part of nature. Or you can believe that uh, in reincarnation, like, like many people actually do today, you can believe anything and still, even though you're a spiritual person, doesn't mean that you're a follower of Christ. There's a big difference between believing in God and believing that God sent his son to die for our sins and that the only way to have a relationship with him is through putting our faith and trust in Christ. James spoke about these, these different types of faith. James chapter 2, verse 19, listen to what he says. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. James was saying that you can, you can believe that God exists, but even the demons believe that. And hopefully we all understand here today that the demons that rebelled against God are not saved. Uh, they may believe that Christ exists, but they're not following him as their Lord and Savior. So here's a lady who, who believed in God and was seeking, but she never even heard about Jesus, let alone followed him. 
I want you to know the second thing about her life. And I think this is really interesting, and it really helps us to relate to her. Because a lot of times when we read about people in the Bible, uh, we, we, we think that they're just so different from us. Sometimes we see them almost like superheroes. When you think about David and Daniel and so, some of the great heroes of the faith. And then other times we just think about they're just like almost from another dimension. They're so different from us. But notice what Lydia was like. It says here, verse 14, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods. Now, if you don't know a lot about history, that, that may not be very significant to you, but purple has not always been as accessible as it is today. There was a time when it was very expensive to create purple garments. And Thyatira was a city that was famous for its very expensive purple dyes. And the Bible says here that, that, lady, that Lydia was a seller of purple goods. It means that she was a businesswoman. And the fact that she was dealing in purple, well, it would be like being a diamond broker today. She was a successful businesswoman. Now, that's not really significant to her conversion, but I think it is significant for us to understand that she was a person just like many of us. All throughout the Bible, we see people who are people just like us who encountered God and were changed by him. She went to worship. The Bible says here that she had gathered here in this place outside the, the, the city, and she was seeking to, to worship God. You know, you can attend worship but not be converted. Just because you're present doesn't mean that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, in Revelation, it gives us this warning. It says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 9, Jesus told the angel of the church at Smyrna, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich. He's talking about rich in, in faith and what they had in God, not material things. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. The synagogue was the gathering place together. And the church today is the same thing as the synagogue in the first century. And Jesus talked about those who, who claimed to be Jews, but they weren't. If they'd truly been, they would have recognized him as the Messiah. They were gathered for worship, but the Lord himself said that they were a synagogue of Satan. I wonder if the Lord was to speak about churches in America today, would he describe some of them as a church of Satan? You see, Lydia was seeking. She believed in God. She gathered outside the city to worship. But she didn't yet know even who Jesus was. But notice what happens in the second part of verse 14. It says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. We've been talking about Lydia before Christ, but here's what happens when Lydia meets Christ. The Bible says that the Lord opened her heart. Do you know that conversion begins with a work of God and, and not a work of man? We have to respond to God, 
But, but the reason that we're able to respond is because he's first initiated. God opens our heart to be able to understand the message. The Bible says that Satan does the opposite, that he has blinded the eyes of people in this world so that they don't understand. Have you ever tried to explain the gospel to somebody and they clearly didn't believe? And not only did they clearly not believe, they didn't even seem to even understand the message. The Bible says it's because Satan has blinded their eyes. But in this moment, the Lord opens Lydia's heart. If you're here today and you've been saved by the Lord Jesus, there was a time when God opened your heart so that you could understand the message. I grew up in church. Uh, my grandfather was a deacon, and uh, we, we, we went uh, regularly. I, I loved church. I loved Sunday school. There were all these little nice ladies that gave us Kool-Aid and cookies. Don't underestimate the power of Kool-Aid and cookies with little kids. And uh, we went to VBS, and we made little things out of, out of craft sticks. And it was just great. And I, I, I mean, I thought, who wouldn't like church? You know, church is wonderful. And, and uh, I'd sit through the services, and, and um, for years this happened. And I had no idea what church was about. Until 1984, I was sitting in a service. And in that service, on a Wednesday night, the Lord opened my heart. And I understood what the preacher was saying. And I realized that I needed to respond to God. This is how conversion takes place. God does a work inside of us. That's why I'm so thankful to understand now how this works. Because I look back at all my New Year's resolutions that have failed. And if this was up to me... I wouldn't be a Christian yet. I'd still be trying. My, my New Year's resolution for 2022 would be to try to figure out how to be saved. That would be my resolution if it was up to me. But it's not. God does the work inside of us, and he opens our heart so that we can understand. The Holy Spirit also convicts us. The Bible describes the role of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. This is what it says beginning in verse 8. It says, when he comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will no longer see me. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The, the Bible says that these, these three areas that the, world, that the Holy Spirit convicts us about, he says that he convicts us about sin. Because people do not believe in God. I think about all the things that, that uh, unbelievers today criticize the church for. And if I were an atheist, I would believe what they believe. I would. If I were an atheist, I, I'm telling you, this whole uh, LGBTQ thing, I'd be all for it. If I was an atheist, I'd say leave people alone. Let them do what they want to do. They're not hurting anybody. If I was an atheist, somebody would say, if it feels good, do it. I'd say, well, yeah, why not, if I was an atheist? But when we come to understand who God is, that's when we have a standard. We realize that God has spoken. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us 
about sin because people do not believe apart from the Holy Spirit. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father. Jesus said once he was gone and people couldn't visually see him and see him live and see him teach, then, then we would need to hear from the Holy Spirit, and we have, as the Holy Spirit has, con, has um, inspired the Scripture that we can read about Jesus' teaching and see his life. And he says concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The Bible also says the Father is the one who draws us. In John 6, it says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And then in Revelation, Jesus described his role. It says in Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The Bible describes what's happening here in the life of Lydia as God, God opened her heart. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit convicts us and helps us understand our need. The Father draws us in, and, and the Lord Jesus, he, he invites us, but still, we must respond. And the Bible says that Lydia paid attention to this message. It says in the second part of verse 14, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. In the book of Romans, it describes this process through which people are converted, through which people repent, through which people are, are changed. In Romans 10, 13 through 15, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, if you've been attending church here for a while, you've probably heard me quote that verse many times during the invitation. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But listen to the rest of this passage. It says, but how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? In this moment, God called a man named Paul, and he sent him on a missionary journey. And he came to this place. He encountered a woman. Paul could have sat there and listened to people worship in ignorance and just been passive and said, well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to say anything that will offend anybody. I'll just sit here and listen. But Paul didn't do that. He was faithful to share the message about Christ. And she heard, and she believed. The Bible doesn't name them. But I expect there were others who heard who didn't believe. But the Lord opened her heart, and she received the message. And so she was radically changed to a different person. The Bible tells us that Lydia followed through with baptism. It says in the first part of verse 15, after she was baptized. Do you know that the complete gospel message calls not only for us to just simply repent and make a change from our sin, but it also calls us to follow through with making Jesus Lord. And Jesus was baptized as an example to all of us. He, he's the only person that didn't need to be baptized. He's the only person that didn't need to repent. And yet to show us what to do, Jesus was, was baptized. The Bible tells us in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, Peter is preaching this message, and here's what he says. And Peter said to them, repent, and here's the rest of it, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. There in the first century, after Jesus had just been crucified and had uh, ascended into heaven, Peter is preaching. And Peter says that this promise is for those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. We're a long way from Peter, aren't we? We're a long way from Jerusalem, both in time and geography. But yet Peter said this promise was for everyone who the Lord would draw to himself. And he called them to baptism. In every generation, there are things that are unique characteristics. I have no idea why things change from one generation to another. It's just a fact. If you talk to different generations, you'll see thinking patterns that are the same across that generation. I don't know how it works, but I know that it's true. And so every generation has new challenges of ministry. And I don't know why it is, but... This current generation, we seem to have trouble following through with formal commitments. We want to accept Christ, and we want to follow him on our own terms, but we don't want to be baptized. We don't want to publicly identify as a believer in the way the Lord has called us to. But the message of Peter was not just to repent, but to repent and be baptized. In Acts chapter 8, the Bible tells us about Philip who was preaching and Philip who went and spoke with a eunuch and, and led him to faith in Christ and he immediately baptized him. So notice what happens here. It says that Philip opened his mouth and beginning with his scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus and as they were going along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, and this is a man who has just now come to faith in Christ. Like Lydia, he was seeking. He was sitting in his chariot reading the scripture, but he didn't understand it. And Philip explains it to him. And he says, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. This person, Lydia, God opened her heart, and she came to believe, and she followed through by being baptized. And then I want you to notice what takes place as she begins her walk with Christ. It, it says in verse 15, and after she was baptized, and notice this, and her household as well. And her household as well. You see, Lydia shares, influences, leads her whole family to believe in Christ as well. This is what happens when we become converted. There's a call upon our life to lead others to faith. And there's not just a call upon our life to lead others to faith, but there's hopefully a burning passion that we'd have a desire to tell others about what we found. And this is the case with Lydia. She was baptized, and her whole household as well. And the Bible tells us that she built a testimony of faithfulness. 
Then it says, uh, verse 15, And after she was baptized, and her whole household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So, so we know that, that there's some time passing here. It's not that Paul came and he spoke a sentence and immediately she was baptized and immediately the whole family. Now, there, there's, there's some time has here. It's a condensed account of what's going on in her life. And she has built a, a testimony of a faithfulness. So that she says to Paul and his command, companions that are traveling with him, if you have judged me to be faithful, that's part of following Christ. I, I've, been, um, I've been preaching for 31 years. And, and in 31 years, I've seen a lot of people get emotional and get excited and make commitments and say things that they were going to do. And I've seen a lot, of, a lot of those same people fall away from the church, not follow through in their faith, not be faithful to the Lord. It's easy to make a decision in a moment. It's easy to publicly declare you're going to do something. What's hard is to day after day, year after year, faithfully follow and serve the Lord. But I want to teach you something. Many of you already know it. The greatest impact we'll have with our lives is not through a moment. But it's through the constant faithfulness of being consistent and what people see in our lives. Lydia went, she influenced her family, she built a testimony of faithfulness, and then she supported the work of the Lord. That's why she wanted Paul and his companions to stay at her home. Think about what Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount about this. He said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I hope that this is a good year for you. I truly do. I hope it's a great year for our church, for our community. Uh, maybe we'll uh, develop some herd immunity and, and the pandemic will wane. Things will get a little bit back to normal. Uh, maybe you'll set some New Year's resolutions and uh, you'll pay off a credit card, lose a little weight. I don't Whatever it is that you're wanting to do that's important to you. You might get to meet some of those goals. But following Christ is not about setting small goals. It's not about accomplishing little things. It's not about being a little bit better. It's about being totally transformed. It comes about when the Lord opens our heart and we hear and listen to a message and respond to it. And it makes us into a different person. It makes us into a person who, like Lydia, tries to influence those around us and lead them to Christ. It makes us a person like Lydia that is faithful and follows through on the things that the Lord 
cause them to him. So above all else, I hope that 2022 is a year of following the Lord for you. Let's pray together. Father, help us to be your people, to be truly changed, not by our own desire or will, but by work of your spirit. Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today or anybody listening that's like Lydia was before she heard about Christ, perhaps they're seeking but haven't yet found. God, I pray today that you'd open their heart, that they would understand your love for them and their need for you. May they be saved today as they call upon you in prayer and ask for forgiveness. Father, for those of us that are your disciples, help us to live in a constant state of repentance in which we live for your honor and for your glory. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Today I want to invite you to follow Christ. Not, 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 not just to, to say some words. and Not, not, to, not to put a, a fish on your car or a cross around your neck. Although that's good. But to truly follow Christ with your life. May we be people who are totally and completely converted. Transformed into the image of of his son. If today that means taking the first step of faith in asking for forgiveness, then I urge you as we sing, would you call upon the Lord in prayer and ask for forgiveness? Today, if that means after 40 years of faithful church attendance, that, that you need a rekindled passion, then today I urge you to pray and call upon the Lord and ask him to bring that fire back that you once had. Whatever it is that you need to change about yourself, let us all be changed into the image of God's Son. As we sing this song, I urge you to make your decision. And if you need help, that's why I'll be standing at the front. Just step out to come forward and come. Let's stand together as we sing. Take out.